to the truth in this art beyond and we are back in philadelphia and we're your source for candid conversations about arts and culture i am your host rob lee and today i am thrilled to be in conversation with my next guest the founder of tattooed mom a restaurant bar and community event space on south street in philadelphia please welcome robert perry welcome to the podcast hey rob thanks for having me it's a pleasure to be here today yeah, um, it's it's great. Um, I've I've seen uh, the social media presence out there. Um, I'm gonna have to get over there eventually to check out the the space um, when I'm back up there in Philadelphia. But it's sure to be a treat to chat with you today. Um, so before we delve into the main topic, could you introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a bit about your background, maybe early experiences that shaped who you are today within the entrepreneurial creative realm. Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Robert Perry. I'm the founder of Tattooed Mom on South Street in Philadelphia. We're um, a bar, restaurant, community event space. Uh, been around for almost 26 years now. A uh, good long run for us and uh, grateful for that. And uh, I grew up in Hawaii, so I think that that informed a lot about my early background and just being, um, I don't know, immersed in like this really magical creative beautiful um multicultural place that like you know is a great place to be a kid and a great place to experience uh, childhood and i think that <clears throat> gave me a very open way of looking at the world and so that was a good start for me and my parents were also very encouraging of like you know, siblings are very encouraging of like uh, pursuing creativity and um being open to you know the arts and and what, how they can enrich your life, really. Thank you. Hawaii. I, I remember reading that uh, somewhere. It was just like a question, like the sort of uh, rapid fire question about like, what's something that people don't know about you? And it's like, well, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I do my research a little bit. Um, and, and thank you. Thank you for that. I, I think, you know, it's something to be said about when we're able to look back at some of those experiences growing up and it maybe give us a uh, sort of sensibility as to how we go about what we do as adults, you know, whether it's, you know, having a more multicultural, uh, multi-community lens to, you know, the communities we want to work with and we want to foster and, or even, you know, Hey, I saw this drawing when I was younger and now I'm an illustrator. I really wanted to get in that area. It's something about that. Yeah, for sure. I think that we don't realize how much it does shape us as an older person. Um, I think I have a better I don't know, not better necessarily, and just a different perspective on like, you know, how my story has influenced my story in a lot of ways. And sometimes you don't get that, you don't gain that perspective until, uh, you know, different parts of your life, you know, you might be open to how that, how that has had an effect on you, you know. Yeah. I think a lot of people go through a moment in their life where they sort of reject their past or reject their, you know, their, their, um, roots or their upbringing or whatever to sort of um, establish their own identities and then sometimes after that when we're more comfortable in our own identities we circle back to what actually reformed that identity to begin with which is mostly what you probably rejected <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> right yeah um I, I, and i think going through this this process and doing 
500 plus interviews is kind of like, you know, you talk with people who are creative and they see things through that lens. They see it through an arts lens and like a multicultural lens. And it's like, you know, I remember someone told me, it's like, you know that you're a type A personality, right? You know that you're an artist. <laughs> and it's like, they're reminding me of stuff that I like, it's like, I experienced this, but they're like, no, you really didn't give it that due. You didn't really acknowledge what you were doing. You didn't own it. So now looking at it and kind of walking in it and owning it a bit more, it's it's really cool, but also it's really challenging at times because um for sure we we really closely identify with at least a lot of us do with what we've maybe done for a long time, whether it's in a career when you're doing sort of the the business thing and then moving into more of a creative sort of like role in your, in one's work. Um, and I know that my career path went from being in marketing for a really big company and then moving into like higher ed, which was a lot fun, not much more fun, but um, now kind of really splitting between doing this creative um, role and being a podcaster for as long as I have, while also still balancing a day job that, you know, left brain, right brain. So could you speak a bit on sort of your create um, your your um, career path? Uh, sure. Um, it's kind of a long and winding road. Like I said, as an older person, um, I've been doing this tattoo bomb longer than anything else in my life is in 26 years it's the biggest chunk of my quote-unquote career path but um you know i came up uh in the graphic design world actually and uh had a lot of different kinds of jobs in that world and eventually landed at a small book publisher in philadelphia and worked my way up through um that design um, community and that, and that company to being art director, but was also, you know, a nightlife person and going out and having fun and <clears throat> doing weird things like DJing nights and making flyers for people. Uh, just like, that was like what you said, that sort of double life of like left brain, right brain. And the day I was making, you know, designing books, sometimes that I really enjoyed and sometimes that were not really my thing. And then at night, you know, I'd be out, um, you know, part of the nightlife world and going to bars and clubs and lots of live music. And um, so that kind of led an opening into the world that I'm in now through um, collaborating with people who owned um, bars and restaurants and clubs to uh, doing design work for them and doing like uh, um, event programming and stuff. And um, uh, eventually the opportunity came to, you know, open a place with, with a couple of people. And, um, that led to being able to open a place, you know, with, that was my own, you know, and, um, I'm really grateful for those opportunities along the way. And, uh, I've been a really lucky person in my life. And that, uh, one thing has sort of always led to the next, always led to fed into the next and built on each other in interesting and <clears throat> very cool ways. So, there were, even though it might seem like a big transition from being like an art director at a book publishing company to opening up a, a restaurant and bar, it made total sense to me. Like for somehow it was like the next logical cliff to jump off of. You know, <laughs> cliff. Okay, I like that. I like that. Um, it's it's when we have like what our vision might be, right? And 
it's it has to make sense to us you know i think that's really what it is whatever we're we're doing whether it's hey i want to i feel like you know some people move from let's say making music to yeah you know what clothes seems right for me making clothes seems right mm -hmm. and that's the sure. path that they're following and that makes sense to them and you know i i think in one of the things in doing doing this you know i would pitch it to people and tell like this is what i'm doing and they're saying well why are you going to philadelphia why are you doing interviews in these other cities with other you know people if the focus was baltimore well this is mm -hmm. where i feel like i naturally want to move it's still connected to this sort of sensibility this is you know in a sense the cliff is a smaller cliff but the cliff i want to jump off of um so if you will could you describe like two or three qualities that have like helped you most during your career, whether it be from sort of your, your, your beginnings to where you're at now and within the collaborations and, you know, and running Tattooed Mom. Sure. I think that, you know, for me, what has served me the best and the, and the, the kind of guiding light for me is being, really just being open first and foremost to just, the possibility of what could be, you know, for both myself, for um, the passionate projects that I'm involved in, for my business, for my community, um, staying open to the, the possibility and not trying to define everything. Yeah. I think tangentially, and like, I think it kind of goes hands in hand with being open is also just kind of trusting your instinct about you know i'm not always going to be right but most of the blood thought in fact a lot of times it's going to be wrong and that's a good you know experience and sometimes painful but it's a good um, learning way to learn is you know, to trust yourself and trust what you're doing and trust your instinct having those like that openness and that trust sort of guide know both the day-to-day -day things that come up but also the bigger picture and larger things that come um has been has served me really well and has been a, a really good kind of way to um navigate and to grow and learn from what i've been doing throughout my life and you know, there's definitely been times where i I've resisted those things or I've not trusted myself or not like been open to things. And I think that, you know, seeing the difference between what I'm and what I'm not. And luckily I'm much more on the path um over the last decade or so of of, of you know, listening to those things and kind of like incorporate them into both everyday life and to into larger sort of scheme of things thank you yeah th i think it's important to embrace what it is and just you know sort of have that that flexibility have that just you know this is going to be fine and if it's not it's not and you know really being able to take some of those chances and you know see what would get you what 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 can happen like being strategic in it but also having sort of the the courage to move in a direction that at times might be uncomfortable at times might be challenging or challenging on the back end but you know listening and, and listening to yourself and kind of just understanding things a, a little bit can kind of help you get really far i think 
For sure. And also, I think it also I think connects to like working with other people. It's like mm-hmm. trusting them to do what they do. You know, they're doing, especially when working with creative people, like my, I think kind of learned this during my art director years. So it's just sort of like, just to give direction to people, right? But, yeah. you know, also you're working with someone who's creative. Like, let them do what they're doing, what, what you love about them, what you, you know, what you brought them on to the job to begin with. So say, you know, say the book publisher, you're working with an illustrator for a book or, uh, you know, you pick this person because you think they're right for the project. No, let them just do their thing. You know, like, don't, you can give them, you know, the the minimal sort of like, hey, this is what this is about. This is the assignment. And then trust that they're going to actually exceed your expectation and exceed your wildest vision because they're going to interpret it through their lens mm-hmm. and bring something that you may never have even thought about. It's going to be better than you even expected. And that's served me very well. Yeah. It's, um, I, I think a lot of people don't, don't operate in that way. It's like, you got to let them cook, you know, with the, some of the, some yeah. of the opportunities you know, that present themselves, um, at least in doing this. And, you know, when you talk about this is 100%, you know, I think a collaborative project I'm, you know, doing my side of it and, you know, you and then the, um, the interviewee seat, you're doing your side of it. And when people ask, can I say this on here? Can I say that? It's like, be you. Whatever it is, be you. Yeah. Can I curse? Yeah, I don't care. You know, whatever. And I was like, every word yeah. your curse word, but you know, come as your authentic self. <laughs> and, and I and I have that trust in it. Otherwise, like it's I'm, I'm I'm selling something that's not quite it. It's like I'm being me and asking whatever goofy questions I'm going to ask, mostly in the rapid fire portion of the podcast. But literally, you know, I understand the bit that I understand about it. But really, it's about, you know, sharing a person's story, helping them share their own story and, you know, really getting to the truth around something. So. That that brings me to That's the name of your podcast. Uh, look, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's like when you're watching a movie and they say the title of the movie in the movie is that. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But also on the flip side of it, you know, I am, am trust. I have the trust in you that you're going to guide this conversation. This is what you do. You you are someone who is in conversation with artists and creative people all the time, and so I have my ultimate, you know, my utmost trust in you that you're going to guide this conversation in a way that's like cool and interesting for both of us and and, hopefully for your listeners as well. Well, thank you. Uh, Thank you for, thank you for that trust. And that's something that it's, it's really important. Um, You know, I recognize that there's a lot of trust that goes into it. Like, you know, you're asking people about what their work is about. And sometimes those stories aren't the, hey, man, I just had, I picked up paintbrushes one day and I was like, man, I'm an artist. It might be a lot of different <laughs> baked into that. And, you know, I, I know I've done interviews with folks where they're sharing really deep, dark things. They're like, I've never shared this before. And I'm like, you want to share it on here? All right, cool. <laughs> That's so great, though, that you, that you that people feel comfortable with you to, um, uh, to have that vulnerability about sharing their story. So could you give us the, 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 the lowdown on Tattooed Mom? Like how, how, you know, describe like what it is in, and, and well, actually you already did that, but des- describe um, like how it got started, like the story, how it got started and what was the significance behind the name? Oh, sure. So, I mean, I said, I was working with um, a couple of people that had opened a spot, another spot at an old city called Sugar Moms. 
Um, one of the founders there was affectionately known as mom to a lot of people. She wasn't like a um, biological mom, but she was like a um, mom figure to a lot of people, traveling bands, you know, or, you know, she'd take care of people as they came through town, just looked out for people in general. Um, and then we broke off to do our own project on South Street, which is also heavily tattooed. There's a lot of tattoo shops around. It's on South Street. It's part of the alternative sort of, uh, you know, underground culture that's been there for many decades. And uh, thought of just tapping into all of those things at once. And, you know, we just called it Tattooed Mom. Um, and the genesis of that, of the art space upstairs yeah. was just, you know, having a lot of space. It's a very big space. Um there's a whole, there's two floors, um, and the second floor was, in fact, the first floor pretty locked in, um, pretty designed, and where we wanted it to be, the bar and the dining room. And the upstairs, you know, we, it was a larger space, and there was a lot of art, you know, there's a lot of wall space, and just a lot of space in general. And, you know, there wasn't any more money, and there was a lot of, uh, Canvas up there, <laughs> and we had come from a background of like, uh, you know, going to band, you know, house shows with bands, lots, and being in uh, skate parks and just like all kinds of, um, lack of a better word, you know, subculture spaces that uh, had a lot of graffiti and street art before it was even called street art. Um, in them, and those are largely the people that turned up when we first started. Um, our doors upstairs, you know, friends in the skate community, people who played in bands, yeah. artists, weed pasters, all these different kinds of people showed up to support, and they also just felt comfortable there, and there was sort of an unwritten, unspoken permission to uh, Contribute to the space up there, add their, um, add their mark to the walls, and one thing just sort of led to another. And, you know, little by little, tag by tag, sticker by sticker, week piece by week piece, stencil by stencil, it kind of turned into the free for all, uncurated, <laughs> every inch covered of the space. Um, uh, sort of Philly's unofficial street art museum that it is today, a couple decades later. And that's just through the literally thousands of people who have walked through the doors and vibed with it, understood, um, enjoyed, were inspired by the, the feel of it and decided to add and contribute and yeah. embrace like the uncurated chaos that's up there <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's really that's really great and you know having sort of that reputation of being you know a, a safe space where creative communities can meet and exchange ideas along with having you know great food and you know having a great bar and event space you know why why is it important to have like spaces like that you know like like tattooed moms well i mean i feel like it's important for lots of reasons but one you know there's there just should be spaces like that everywhere in every town. Every have you know, places for people to just meet and exchange ideas freely. And 
especially seeing the overlap of creative communities, you know, where media artists might meet a clothing designer who might meet a filmmaker who might meet a playwright who might meet, meet a photographer who might meet a poet and how all of those sort of different scenes can overlap and exchange ideas and collaborate is very thrilling um, outcome of people sharing that space and being open in that space and you know through both events, you know, they might just roll up and, oh, there's like a drag show, or they might roll up and be like, there's an activist political meetup here, or they might roll up and be like, there's an art show, there's a fashion pop-up, whatever it is, yeah. they uh, might be exposed to a, a community or some culture that they didn't know about or get inspired by, and I think that's really, really great fun to see. And then secondarily, I feel like these kinds of spaces and this moment particularly are somewhat under attack and somewhat threatened by a culture that doesn't want to see this openness, doesn't want to see this expression and is fighting against um, inclusivity and against, you know, safe spaces like ours, the world, which is frightening and not the direction we should be going at all. So I think now more than ever, it's important to say, we embrace these things and we uh, honor these things and we defend these things and we think that they're actually super fucking important to our culture and we're going to proudly say that we are that place every single day that we can, Yeah. Um, especially in the face of the threats to those kinds. That's, that's important, you know, 100%. And, you know, those are the places when... You know, I travel somewhere and I'm like leaving my normal sort of setup and I'm venturing off. I'm like, where are the are people? Where are the street people? Where are the weirdos? Literally, I usually will say, where yeah. are the at? that's where I'm going because, you know, where's the gaberhood at? It's like the, the one, one, yeah. the, the food's going to be better for one. That's, that's going to be number one right there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's just like, look, we're not going to have yeah. that. But it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, for something that's, so interesting that leads to so many different fusions and collaborations and just really interesting conversations. Like I'm an, I'm an eavesdropper. I'll walk by and say, what are you, what are you just saying? And wow. And that's, that's great. <laughs> and, you know, for it to be like under attack in the way that it is, and I, I agree with you where, you know, I, I'm, it's a certain energy when you go to a place where like revelry and revelry and really powerful and important conversations or even non-important conversations, but just the fact that the conversations are happening, you know, those, those sorts of places are really important and really fun. And I find that there are venues, like I know here in Baltimore, we, we have um, an orchestra, very, you know, fine arts, very, very white or what have you. And they're making an attempt to be more inclusive of having, you know, different types of programming, having programming that's more reflective of the city it's in. And, you know, demographically speaking, I think Baltimore and Philadelphia have a really high concentration of black and brown people. And at times, historically speaking, you know, those spaces that are, you know, could be something, it could be a place where black and brown people kind of meet up, hang out, exchange ideas are usually some of the first to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they can be spaces that are quickly threatened by gentrification, by, you know, the economies of quickly, rapidly changing cities and neighborhoods. 
we're in we're in a, a neighborhood that was historically black and Jewish, um, and uh, has changed dramatically in the past forty fifty years. Um, yeah. And the history of our neighborhood is again, you know, we have like the oldest, if not the oldest, black churches in the country, like a block from us. An underground railroad passed through, like again, about a block from us, north of us, and so like. And South Street was historically the edge of the city, and, and you know, Berkeley. Um, and uh, just there's so much fascinating history that surrounds us constantly. Yeah, I feel like it's important to acknowledge that, and also to be a place where this can, can continue. These conversations can continue, not only between people, but like literally on the fucking walls here too. You know, like. <laughs> There's constant conversation because people are putting up things. They're putting up meat paste and stickers and pencils and all kinds of stuff that um, is sharing their voices with the world, whether it be through a piece of art or through words or through whatever it is. And then other people are rolling up and adding to it. You know, they might add a comment or add... um, remix something. Um, so there's a conversation that goes on as well on the walls. Really interesting. Yeah. Maybe uh, that allow, especially, you know, maybe voices that feel like they're not heard, whether it be black and brown voices or queer voices or immigrant voices or uh, women's voices or trans voices or whatever it is that yeah. those voices are heard here and that they're seen here. Um, celebrated here. Yeah. You know, like underrepresented folks, you know, getting that, that, that sort of like space to have those sort of dialogues. Like, well, if this is what my wheat paste says, well, here's what my sticker says. It's like, can it guys calm yeah. down? <laughs> it's so much going on. Yeah. But I think it's, yeah, I think it's cool though, because those are very, um, accessible, uh, media for mm-hmm. people to, be able to, I mean, you can get a sticker for free if you walk down to the post office. Right. I mean, I will tell you, do that. Go do it, man. It's free. Like, it's great that those are accessible ways to enter into the world and to give voice to your creativity, whether you can just write something or draw something. Yeah. Whatever it is, really cool, accessible, easy access way to get into the conversation and have your voice heard, hopefully. Yeah, it's important. Um, so I'm curious where sort of, you know, creative sensibility, creative decisions kind of merge and maybe diverge from sort of entrepreneurial decisions, like in, you know, ultimately in running a, a space that, you know, definitely has, a, a, I would imagine, uh, <laughs> a rent, mortgage and all of that stuff and some of the responsibilities <laughs> of an entrepreneur. And, uh, while also, you know, trying to, you know, being a part of a community and being a part of the creative community. So where, where do they kind of like blend together and where do they really diverge? Like sorts of like decisions you may make in terms of, Hey, we're going to have this cool event here. Cause this makes sense in this way, but also how are we going to maybe fund something else? Can you, you know, share a bit about that? I don't know. My philosophy is that they, they just really go hand in hand. If you're really, walking the walk and talking the talk like, aren't really separate, you know. But on one hand, I feel like we've always been this sort of like capitalist um, 
you know, you can say it's entrepreneurship, but it's it's a, a for profit, you know, business because we want to make a living and have all of our people that work there have, enjoy a nice living, um, be secure. Okay. You know, absolutely. We have do we have to pay our bills and the rent and keep the lights and other stuff. So the model is definitely a capitalist model, which is in itself imperfect and fucked up in so many ways. But you know, I feel like that's sort of like the skin of we are. But the heart is always community based. It, it gives it's the reason for that is not only for the people that you know who are are a part of our um, through there to have security and have a good life. It's also for to be able to offer up the space every day. We generally never charge people to use the space. Um, try hard not to charge people to come and enjoy the space for most things. Thank you. So, yeah. you know, it's really important to us to have one thing inform the other. So by being a quote unquote for profit company, that hopefully funds everything that we do, you know, hopefully funds us being able to have a space where we can invite the community to do their first event ever, maybe. Try out a new idea to host a night, to bring people together for a meeting or a fundraiser. Um, also allows us hopefully through to be able to put some of our profits back into the community in many different ways, whether it be through a monthly donation day where we highlight either an activist or a mutual aid organization and raise money for them or a million other events that we do to hopefully give back to the community that so generously supports us and has supported us for so many years. Um, I feel again, you know, that the entrepreneurship side, the business side of it informs the community. They go hand in hand to me. They're not separate. They're not that makes different so much sides of the coin. They're all part of the one thing together. We couldn't have one without the other. We wouldn't have a business that was still open without our community. Yes. That's possible. <laughs> so that's the heart of it, you know, like right there. And if you don't, understand and realize that then i don't know it's like that really informs everything that we do is that community is at the heart of our of our mission and that sounds corny but it's like totally totally 100 percent true especially the past few years where businesses small businesses like ours especially in the entertainment and restaurant and uh, our business has all been so challenged shut down for so long and having Oops, to jump through and really scary times in terms of perfect example. I was just thinking about this last night because it's three years ago that we had to close for some time when COVID first was a serious thing. And um, it occurred to me just then that, uh, um, you know, the community was really the people that us through that time they immediately just said hey whatever you're doing we're there for you whatever you need we're there for you whatever crazy thing model you have to come up with to survive we're here to support it and we were so so fortunate and so so lucky to have that um 
that support there. You did it. You want to always be able to do the same thing for everyone else, too, you know, anyone else in the community that needs our support and help. We want to be there for them. It's great. It's um. Thank you. It's 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 being part of a community in the truest sense, and I I like that you said like these, they they go hand in hand. Um. I think when one is doing one right, when when we're doing one right, the other one it's by nature is being done right as well. Um. I have this belief in in doing this podcast that you know, whatever time commitments, whatever resources that are needed to keep the sort of operation running and what have you, this is, you know, for the most part, an unfunded project, um, you know, a few pieces here and there, but mostly an unfunded project or underfunded project. And I always kind of look at it, had this belief, this prevailing belief that eh, the community is going to take care of me. It's going to be fine. It's going to get sorted out. And really this sort of work is about the community, whether it is in the larger sense of the creative sort of global community or in a more micro sense of the creative community in Baltimore or in Philadelphia or New Orleans, what have you, the three markets that I'm doing most of my work in currently. Absolutely. I mean, you are sharing these conversations with people all over the world and creating even the remote, both a local community and finding a spotlight on people that are doing doing the work out there uh, in different cities, and through the you know through the nature of your work, you're able to share it with a worldwide audience. If anybody's listening, sponsor this guy. Because, <laughs> you know these kinds of things need to be um, people need to see their value and their worth and do whatever they can to support them. Yeah, 100%. So I got one more real question, and then I got some rapid fire questions for you. Um, So so as it relates to, you know, being in a business with a deep connection to the creative communities, all of the communities, (laughs) uh, what are are three like traits that you you see prominent in the the Philadelphia creative community? Traits in terms of what exactly oh um it, it maybe in terms of how they approach their work the type of work anything that, that really comes to mind when you think of yeah that's definitely some philly artwork there or that like you touched on wheat pasting and that feels like that's really a philly thing but you know i'm sure other places can take their claim to it but that definitely feels like a philly thing so you know i, I think of something like that yeah. yeah that's what comes to mind for me yeah i don't know i mean there's so many like philly special special things like in the wheat paste world. Yeah, there's plenty of other cities that we paste. But I think because of our um our history as a city of murals, um so many like large scale artworks here mm-hmm. that people aren't afraid to go big, which I love. <laughs> They're not afraid to make like a bold statement. Not only in the size of their artwork, but also in the message and the attitude, you know, Philly's got attitude. Philly's got um, not afraid to speak up, not afraid to speak their mind, which I like. Um, and I think that's a, a really special trait is that, you know, because of, because of the murals, you know, we, we like to go big. Uh, we like to speak our mind and speak our truth and get it out there into the world. And uh, we don't take shit, basically. And I think that's, <laughs> great that people react that way uh, you know people not react but like will we'll use their voice in that way whether it be through the long history of graffiti just saying with their voice like i'm here i'm fucking here like 
me or through, you know, a wheat paste um, wall sticker that you might see that's just going to change as you turn that corner and maybe just change your day for a minute for a brief moment. But it's cool to see, see that voice like so loud and proud here. Uh, I, I I hear it, and I don't know it, if that was three, but that's <laughs> <laughs> but that's like that's what comes to mind. No, that's that, and thank you. That's um, that's great, and that's what I've seen and being up there and doing these interviews since like I've been back and forth for you know every two weeks, so by you know bi monthly, sometimes three times a month, uh, and um since like September. So going through, you know, supporting their, you know, sports teams, very loud about that, very loud and proud about that. Uh, and, and even, you know, just really hot takes on pretzels and stuff. I've seen that as well. Uh, but yeah, definitely, you know, I've seen the murals, I've seen the wheat paste, um, and it's had some really cool conversations with folks up there and definitely the sort of, you know, this is who we are thing definitely rings true. And that sense of identity definitely rings true. And all of the other things that you mentioned as well. Um, so yeah, that's, that's just, that's there. And, um, so now I want to move into this last portion of the pod, um, the rapid fire portion. Okay. So the way that this works, you don't want to overthink it. You, you know, whatever first comes to mind, that's, that's what the answer is, I guess. Uh, that's the way we try to try to rock. Okay. So here's the first one. You got it. What's okay. what's I'm something ready. that keeps you up at night? Oh man, I don't know. I'm worrying about how fucked up the world is, and like <laughs> that's the honest answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't think that that would be the case, but it's definitely been the case for some years. And I also like, what can I do to make it a little less fucked up? Yeah, I mean, it's problem solving. It's, it's right there. Um. When I say the word creativity, what is the first word that comes to mind for you? All-encompassing. Nice. Should be part of, you know, everything. Really. Let's see. It's not just art. Like, it's anything that you can do to live that way. Yeah. Talk or living your life in way that you so let's see. Uh, next one we got is so obviously you guys have you know tons of great food on the menu. So I gotta ask a food related question. Sure, go for it. Name a, a food combination that you enjoy that most people find weird. Most people find like strange. And like I don't know if I'd eat that. Like I know yesterday I interviewed someone and they are a big pickle person. They're like, look, man, I, I eat fried pickles all the time. I'm like, what is, are you talking about? So what is a, a odd food combination that you enjoy that some people just like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, Robert. Um, well, it's funny that you brought up fried pickles because it's your mom. Probably our, our most favorite thing. And, you know, not everybody's taste, but it's our, our, our number one seller is a pickle fried chicken sandwich. Is, uh, chicken or vegan chicken, brined in um, juice with fried pickles and a bunch of other stuff, and and you know have a pickle teeny uh, <laughs> with it too. So I mean, you can go all out that way, and I think that's like you know, if you want to get deep into the pickle, uh, we're there for you. Did, did did big pickle get to you? What are you what are you saying? What what, what is what's happening here? 
<laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's a real thing. Uh, so this is this is the last one I got for you. Um, could you name a a living person that you know inspires you? Um, whether it be through their work, whether it be through you know how they maybe navigate the world. Um, name a living person that you get inspiration from. Mm, I'm sorry, please, not a single one. No. <laughs> They're all bums. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But, but <laughs> inspiring. But inspiring one. It's really funny. So I guess I guess that's that's it then um, for the for the interview. Um, so one, I want to I want to thank you for coming on and making the time to chat with me. And um, two, I want to invite and encourage you to share. You know anything you want to share in a final moment? Social media, website, all of that good stuff. Um, the floor is yours. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's really. Uh great enjoyable conversation like you were excited and like nerding out as much about great the creative worlds as i do so i appreciate you taking the time to be able to share uh, this weird crazy collaborative experimental art project that's lasted for 26 years your audience and I don't know. I mean, you know, G-Moms are out there in the world. Come visit us on South Street in Philadelphia. We see us on all those social media places, but don't spend too much time there. Go out and live your life instead of just being looking at pictures and videos of other people living their lives. Um, but we're there if you, want to, if you want to experience us that way. But the best thing to do is just come and enjoy. Get into a conversation with somebody. You won't regret it. And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Robert Purry from Tattooed Bomb for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's arts and culture in and around your neck of the woods. You've just got to look for it.